Just a quick warning that we will be discussing death, abortion, miscarriage, existentialism, mental and wellness, addiction, etc. All of the things we usually get into with this heavy material. So if you're not into that, maybe skip these next few episodes. everyone and welcome to another episode of a hopeless endeavor a joanna newsome podcast my name is sam and my name is nikki um, sam had to do that uh content warning there because i have the fucking giggles right now and cannot get through it so thank you to <laughs> sam <laughs> we're pushing uh, we're through pushing through what are we doing today sam we're gonna finish our discussion about autumn lovely autumn so this is part three i think yeah and i think a song that we both described as criminally underrated (laughs) um uh one of our favorites on this album for sure um yeah and i think last time we ended off where did we end off we ended off oh halfway through a verse (laughs) (laughs) excellent bit weird uh yeah so we we covered the all winter here wait for a sign okay and then we were at to cast myself right yes okay so what should we do here uh where does this verse end for you this next one because on joanna needs some lyrics it's just like goes right through Oh, um, you know what? I actually don't know. I started adding notes in oh, inappropriate okay. places to <laughs> okay. remind me to talk about them. Like if we have such a long verse, it's hard for me to put a thousand notes after the entire verse. So I've been like plonking them in after specific phrases. And that's not great uh, for the structural integrity here. So whatever yeah. you have, we can go with. Okay. Then let's let's just go uh, maybe to I Ain't Naturally Given to Rome. Sure. Okay. So the rest of the verse here then is to cast myself out over the water, riven like a wishbone. You'd hardly guess I was my own mother's daughter. I ain't naturally given to Rome. <clears throat> right. And... I guess um <clears throat> so on the lyric page it there's a paragraph between like a paragraph break between sign and to cast myself but you could also interpret it as being just a full like a continuation of the sentence so I'll winter here I'll wait for a sign to cast myself out over the water mm. okay um what a beautiful thing I think this is the first time I've ever this is the first instance of riven I think I've ever read. Um, it doesn't, like, Me I can't too. place it anywhere else in my life at all. Um, and riven means 
at least one of the definitions is to split or tear apart violently. Um, just pretty intense. It made me think of that verse from Only Skin, uh, how the water was kneading so neatly um, in a frenzy coiling flush along the muscles beneath. Um, yeah, that same kind of uh, violent energy. It is super violent. Like the idea of being riven, like split apart like that, like a wishbone, like it, it brings to mind, I guess, the comparison of like our narrator who has these bones being like literally like pulled apart in this like, yeah, very violent way. <clears throat> Have you ever pulled a wishbone? Is that something your family Ugh, did? It is something we did, which now seems so disgusting to me. Like, I, I remember just doing it at my grandma's house, um, like, I think probably for Thanksgiving, I want to say. Are sure. wishbones in turkeys? Yeah. The definition I have is just from a cooked bird. Yeah. Okay. Did you not do it? I don't remember ever doing it. I remember seeing it on TV and, like, understanding <laughs> what it is. But I don't think that's ever something I've done. But I was also vegetarian pretty pretty early on and i'm sure just would have been like a little asshole at the table like that's disgusting wait when did you stop eating meat i was like 11 or 12 <clears throat> really i didn't know that about you sam yeah i was 18 yeah, i was radicalized by PETA pretty pretty young <laughs> i remember me like my grandma giving like me one end and then my brother the other end and we would pull and then like whoever i guess got like the big piece was the winner i guess of this and does it mean thing? good luck oh entitled to make that? a wish wish oh, book okay. right okay yeah that's what we're talking about <laughs> i i think the way we would do it is we would come up with the wishes and then oh, no. do the pulling apart and then whoever got the big piece their wish would come true i think okay but i'm not totally positive about that yeah, so like the use of a wishbone here almost makes it seem like there's like some sort of like anxious wishing or like hoping maybe. I don't know. And also just like a tearing apart of something. Like someone, yeah. uh, the idea that I kind of stuck to you with that phrase was like someone getting the bigger or the better half of something and someone uh, ending up with less. Um mm -hmm. I, I think I was thinking of it just in like in terms of the relationship that we're still talking about. Um, yeah, but what exactly is being split here? I'm not sure. Yeah, right. Um, also, like why? I, I was thinking of maybe also being split between the two places, mm. like home and not home. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Why, what does the water have to do with it here? Um, good question. <laughs> and to cast oneself over the water, like, I don't know. It, to me, brings to mind, like, fishing imagery. Like, you cast mm -hmm. a fishing line. But I'm not sure if that's what is going on. That's a good question. What does it mean to cast? To cause light or shadow to appear on a surface. Mm, to cast a shadow. Mm -hmm. An act of throwing right. something forcefully. Ah, okay. 
So that's interesting to include cast and ribbon in the same thing too. Like two yeah. super uh, descriptively violent terms. Yeah. And it's interesting, especially with the first verse that I know we talked endlessly about last time, driven through by her own sword. Um, there's a lot of that going on in this song. A lot of violence. A lot of kind of like self-inflicted violence here. Yeah, yeah. Like our narrator's really kind of like tossing herself around. Um, and what seems to be kind of like a careless way in my interpretation. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, also like this inevitability of the fact that she's going to have to tear herself apart like this. Like mm -hmm. she's going to winter here in her hometown, wait for a sign to cast myself out over the water. Like I'm waiting for a sign to let me know it's okay again to cast myself out over the water. It makes me think of like this cyclicalness that we were talking about a little bit last time where there is this like inevitability of this like back and forth between home and not home because mm -hmm. neither one is totally suitable for our narrator. It feels like, yeah, like both are lacking in some like very fundamental respects that she seems to need. Yeah. And I'm, I'm having a hard time just trying to place what exactly our narrator is doing now, <laughs> to be honest, like just yeah. in the context of the, whole album I don't remember what if we even talked about that in the last episode um like so in the context of like the album like do you mean like where her mind is at in terms of her partner or like where her mind is at in terms of whether to stay or leave or like all of the above I think both yeah all of the above yeah I don't know either so yeah like in my head I think what has happened is she has come back home after having decided that she cannot be with this partner she's been trying to get things to work with throughout this whole album. She's come back home just like as this almost like last ditch, like fucking desperate um, uh, attempt to get like some sort of solace like she's at her like lowest low in my head here and she's like I just need like to get it like gives me the image of like someone like driving themselves like to the hospital and then being like okay like I'm here like now you can just take care of me like I've done right. the part that I need to do but right. I'm not sure like it's not it's not obvious I, I don't think at all I think that makes sense <clears throat> with like the overall vibe of the song um because it is quite uh quite like a serious uh contemplative um kind of gray um gray song i don't know down beat words words are hard sometimes <laughs> words are super hard all the time i think i googled a weird um, thing for this verse too if y'all indulge me for a minute i was oh my like God, yes I didn't really understand what the roaming meant. And it's interesting to mention a mother 
Have we ever mm-hmm. has, have we ever talked about the narrator's mother ever? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure the closest we've come to referencing a mother was her own motherlessness in Emily. Right. And I remember but we I don't talked think... about Lolita in that too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was interesting that like I know we've talked about Pa, we've talked about Emily um like that are real life people um okay so i was my own mother's daughter i ain't naturally given to roman does that mean that our mother is given to rome that like yeah the narrator's mother is more comfortable with distance and travel and whatever i googled <laughs> in an attempt to tie everything back to Greek mythology, because that's yeah. real fun for everyone. Um, uh, I go- literally Googled Greek mythology roaming woman. <laughs> <laughs> and what I got, which I just thought is probably not applicable, but is a cool thing, is the wandering womb belief. Ooh. What is that? Is that like hysteria? Yes. So the belief that a displaced uterus was the cause of many medical pathologies in women. The belief Mm -hmm. was first attested in the medical text of ancient Greece, but it persisted in European academic medicine and popular thought for centuries. So just like this idea that your womb is inside your body. And the reason you're going crazy as a woman is because it's it's just floating around in there. not really doing what it's supposed to do Um, yeah i just thought that was interesting uh considering how much we've talked about the womb throughout all albums um yes yeah and any like allusion to mental unwellness slash like craziness in this like very like gendered way yes uh is like especially poignant i think for this song but also just in this whole album i think there are huge undertones of this like looming threat of either being deemed crazy by other people or just like actually like not being well um uh because of the goings on or whatever yeah uh, in, in the album so uh yeah i like that a lot um so there's this author edward jordan who wrote the suffocation of the mother used hysteria as an explanation for mysterious medical occurrences in young women he supposed that the hysteria caused by the wandering of the womb womb around the body was a source of witchcraft and often presided in witchcraft related trials as an expert on the subject which is just like what the fuck great (laughs) the suffocation of the mother connected the phenomenon of hysteria with actions like singing laughing crying and choking (laughs) it's just like i read that and was just like so there's a woman who is choking and instead of helping her you're like she's hysterical (laughs) Because she has a wandering womb. Like, I just don't. And I love this note on Wikipedia, too. Both wandering womb and hysteria are unused in medical theories of today. (laughs) Oh, great. Fucking hope. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It's fascinating to me always how, how much that reveals sort of the way that people did and probably to some extent still do see women as like fundamentally different beings than men like yes like these symptoms of hysteria which like presumably men would have exactly 
symptoms of whatever mental illness is in question, like uh, being super anxious or stressed out or like hallucinations or whatever it's supposed to be. Those things are present in men too. But like because of the way that women are seen as like these like fundamentally different beings, it's like people didn't even recognize that like these are shared symptoms that like it might be the same thing going on in men and women, but rather like, no, no, it must be their uterus is out of control. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was just a fun sideline in (laughs) that weird Google. Um, (laughs) Wandering womb. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I did take it to be the same thing as you did, Sam, where she, I think here is saying that like her mom is naturally given to Rome um, to like venture away from home in a way that our narrator just is not uh, equipped to do or like is not wired in the same way as her mom, maybe. Yeah. Uh, It's frustrating to me that our narrator is returning home. Yet again, because I feel yeah. like we've already established that that's not the place that is helpful. Yes. The, your your thought here reminds me of what Lise said on uh, Facebook, I think, last week, where she was like, sorry, my feeling when we get to autumn is like, again, like we're, we're, yeah. we're doing this again, which like, yeah, like it really is this like sort of endless cycle. And I feel like our narrator isn't separate from that feeling. Like, I think she's also really exhausted of this cyclicalness or this like constant going back and forth, looking for something that she's just unable to find. It seems like. And it seems like maybe our narrator is stuck in that cycle too. Right. Because like, I feel like the sensible thing to do would be to try something new in this situation. Like instead of constantly returning to the same place and not finding solace there, you would naturally think, okay, maybe this time I'll try something different. But the line there kind of explains that for us. I ain't naturally given to Rome. So that's not really an option for whatever reason. Yeah. Like trying something new is not her strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. But then it's also frustrating. I feel frustrated with our narrator because it's like, but like, it's not going to get better then. Like, we're going to be stuck in this row of endless gray days forever if we don't, if we don't try something something. Yeah. I hate myself for bringing this up because this quote, I think, gets like overused. And I don't even know if it's a legit quote from him. But while, as you were talking, it made me think of that that quote that's attributed to Einstein where he's like, uh, allegedly, he's like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right. I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. And I don't think it's an insightful quote, but it made me, it made me think of that. Um, yeah, she just, it feels like she's really stuck. Yeah. She's very stuck in this like cycle of like not knowing what to do and not getting better and like uh, stuck maybe because of her natural dispositions to to not roam. But also there's some other natural disposition in her that doesn't get explicitly talked about, I think, on the album, which is maybe not a natural tendency to roam, but like a natural tendency to like seek things out that aren't available to her in her hometown. Right. Something draws her away all the time. 
I just, yeah. And I think that this whole cycle of returning to home contributes so much to the last few verses of the song and these feelings of silent, of gray days and having no relief from yeah. those like heavy clouds. Yes. Um, another thing that I, so I told Sam this before we started recording, but like largely my research for the second half of autumn was to go read up about Persephone and Demeter, um, inspired in part by Kale's, um, theory that we discussed last cool. time. Kale's incredible theory. Yeah. yeah. Kale's super incredible. And so, uh. Uh, they had suggested last time that I believe it's been a while now, but that um, our narrator is being likened to Persephone here in this song and that, um, you know, Persephone always had to return to the underworld, but then return to earth uh, in these like sort of cycles. And the seasons are very intimately tied to, to Persephone. Right. But so the here's a whole bunch of dis, disconnected not disconnected but disorganized thoughts I I'm have ready. on this subject yes, yes <laughs> okay so the mother's daughter part here really made me think of Persephone and Demeter oh cool um, just like the referencing of a mother and a daughter especially in a context where without that there's still these potential Persephone and Demeter links um and just to quickly say Demeter is Persephone's mom. Um, okay. So what I learned in doing research this time is that, and I think maybe I knew this to some extent, but got confused about it. So Demeter, the mother, is actually the goddess of like fertility and agriculture and, and earth. Um, Persephone is just the reason that Demeter has the reacts, reactions that she does, right? So it's actually Demeter whose displeasure causes everything to die. So like when she's mourning the fact that Persephone's gone, the myth is that she like neglects her duties as a goddess to tend to everything. And in the myth, Zeus eventually gets just like fed up with with Demeter like he's like look I don't want all of humankind to die because you won't produce crops or like let anything grow so like fine I'll go barter with Hades and try to get some kind of deal for Demeter for Persephone to come live with Demeter for a bit above earth right. but it's Demeter's like heartbreak that causes everything to die and sorry my dog is barking my god what a disruptive day okay one second. <laughs> <laughs> okay right so, yeah, it's Demeter that causes the things to die when she's super upset. And I guess what Autumn would be then is like the beginning of that death. Um, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That's a thing that I found. Um, and I think I'll stop talking about Demeter here for now just because it was the mother's daughter part that that made me think of it. And I was thinking that maybe... Maybe, um, maybe the narrator is actually likening her, likening herself to Demeter um, as this mother who has lost a daughter, which we saw themes of perhaps in Baby Birch. 
and throughout the album. And so maybe she's likening herself to to mothers here. I don't know. I really like that. I like a connection to Baby Birch too, obviously, because I think uh, I think we probably mention that song in every episode to try and connect it to something <laughs> because we love it so much. But it really makes sense in um, a mother who has lost a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, also, uh, and the other or like another thing that I noticed is that Joanna in interviews has described this album as being very earthy. Um. And uh, the narrator of this album as being very, like, earthbound. And Demeter is, like, super associated with the earth and connected to the earth and always on earth in a way that Persephone isn't. She's, like, more able to to move between the underworld and earth. But Demeter is firmly stuck on earth in a way that a little bit reminds me of, like, the mobility stuff that Melissa Marcherano writes about and talked about in reference to Colleen and then later for divers. Yes, totally. Um, and Occident a little bit too. So yeah, those are some discombobulated thoughts on the topic that I had. No, I really like that connection to it makes me think again about this water line too. Uh, especially in reference to Melissa's thoughts on Mm. spaces and places that are gendered. Um, So if our narrator is landlocked in a sense, um, to cast myself out over the water would be crossing a boundary in some way, right? Um, Like I think Melissa's, theory and I wish I had read it again um I think it's just my slightly hungover brain today is not working as well (laughs) as it should but was it it was men occupied water and women were landlocked right yes yeah exactly I think um that like men always have access to both earth and water and they're able to like go other places and travel away and have opportunities that are available to them via this water. Whereas women are stuck like waiting for the men on the earth. Right. Um, And like in Colleen, we get like the imagery at the end of her finally having this like access to water um, in a way that is like really liberating and freeing for the Selkie. Um, So she like, I think – I think there's a connection for in Joanna's work between like water and freedom, but also water and like the way it relates to earth and the gendered implications of that. I guess just in general too, like water would have an impact on seasons and weather and stuff like that too. To cast myself out over the water or even like a wishbone. interesting because it's also not in the water it's over the water like does that mean to the next bit of land that there is across the water or does it mean oh yeah it could also just mean like a ship like if you're in a ship you're over the water is that the returning home to 
like I don't know from one place to another in my head it's that she's wintering here where home is and she's waiting for a sign to oh to go to go yeah right okay and I have no control over my heart over my mind feels the right to all the We don't know, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not abundantly clear. We're obviously working through this with you. Um, yeah, so interesting. It's very interesting. I really like thinking, obviously, about water symbolism in, jo- in Joanna's work, as as you guys probably know. And the to cast myself, I feel like, is important, too, especially mm-hmm. in reference to like driven through by her own sword it's something that's like an outside character can't do for us as Mm -hmm. the narrator we have to do it ourselves Um, that's a really good point at the right moment too like it's so specific and it makes me wonder too if it's just like um speaks to like the inflexibility of our narrator to explore new places like you're giving yourself these really concrete circumstances Mm. to explore like i'll stay here until like i have the ability to cast myself until i see like this perfect sign whatever that is and then i'll do it yeah (sighs) yeah that's a really really good point i think and i don't have a good understanding I think of our narrator's beliefs about signs here because on the one hand you might think like um the narrator of the story is like genuinely waiting for a sign and that there might be some sort of like mysticism stuff happening where there is like a viable sign but you also might think that the idea of like waiting for a sign is itself limiting like it's sort of like an excuse yes. maybe yes. to just like 100%. stay because like what would probably happen is like the sign is going to come in the form of you just being ready yeah. and like looking projecting something onto the world um yeah so it could just be like a limiting restriction I think that I really I don't like thinking about it that way but I think that, <laughs> that it's very much like giving yourself an excuse to lay low for a little while um, yeah. And put the responsibility on to the rest of the world instead of on you, right? Yeah. Like, um, I'll stay here until, and maybe it's like as simple as a sign of spring. Like, yeah. Uh, but if we're in the winter, like that's a long time to, yeah, yeah. to sit and wait. Um, just, just getting ready to do some hibernating. Yeah, in no rush. For sure, which also is annoying because, like, this isn't a good place to be. Right. I mean, maybe it's different if you're if you're laying low. I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) It also feels I like that you brought our attention to this because it does. This whole song kind of feels a little bit passive, like even in the way the first line, like driven through by her own sword. Rather than speaking about, like, I don't know, I drove or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, although I guess Summer and her are not the same 
person, not the same character in this song, but still like there is just this like, I mean, yeah, in the previous line, in the previous verse, she said, I've got no control. She's sort of like throwing her hands up and being like, oh, it's just not up to me. Yeah. We get the image of her like moving on a gurney later. It's almost like she's like, I don't know. Other people take care of me now. Like I can't do it. Like either I fucked it up or like I am too weak to do it or whatever it may be. I don't know. There's some sort of passive vibe happening. And at this point too, I think we can probably imagine that like our narrator is pretty, pretty tired too. Like there's Mm -hmm. been a lot going on. And so to like say, I'm just going to hang out here until something else tells me what to do is also understandable. Like, I don't have the energy to, you know, put forth the next thousand steps that I need to, to feel better to change things. So, like, yeah. I'll I'll kind of cast that out to the universe and, like, y'all let me know when, <laughs> yeah. when, when it's time to do that because that's a big responsibility. Yes. It, it very much feels like she's succumbing to this like instinct that I'm sure a lot of us have of just like I just want to be taken care of like I just want to be told what to do and like give me like baby me in a way right like I need to be like mothered in a way yeah um yeah also just in like ruminating about the word cast here given that it comes so close to the imagery, the violent bone imagery mm-hmm. to cast myself out over the water, riven like oh, a wishbone. Yeah. I was wondering if there's any sort of double entendre of like cast, cast and bones to like heal oneself. I don't know. To cast myself out over the water, riven like a wishbone. I like that. I like that, like maybe, uh, I mean, to me, that says that, like, okay, maybe the step to healing ourselves is like somewhere out there and we know it's there but it's at such a distance and we're in such a ribbon state that to like get there we can't yet right Um, right oh i like that a lot interesting thoughts none of them fleshed out (laughs) help us out you guys if you as per usual yeah um i think that's all i have for this first half or like this middle part of this weird first structure we've decided to chop up in random pieces okay yeah me too um did you read it or did i uh i did so you go ahead okay so then she sings i lay low when i return and i move like a gurney whose wheels are squeaking alone here in my home and i laugh when you speak of my pleasure seeking among the tall pines, along the ley lines, here where the loon keens. Should I actually stop at, at ley lines? Oh, up to you. Yeah, let's stop at ley lines. Okay. Because then it's more doable for me. <laughs> I think the thing that sticks out so incredibly to me as you were reading it is like squeaking is such an awful word. Mm. Like I feel... Like, it doesn't fit with the structure of so many of the very poetic words she uses. And it, like, really stands out as, like, an awful sound in this verse. Yeah. 
tweaking is is it I don't know how to ever pronounce this word but like onomatopoeic <laughs> like is it squeaking is like all you can almost hear the sound of squeaking yeah. in the word itself yeah and it but really... I think you're right sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say I think you're right there is a contrast between like that word and like I think it does stand out in a way that squeaking wheels would stand out like it's very noticeable I don't know and just like adds to, I mean, it's a gurney whose wheels are squeaking. <sighs> yes. And like she, ugh, I'm I'm really, really in love with this, this little verse here, this little part of a verse. Like that she's not describing herself as laying on a gurney whose wheels are squeaking, whose wheels are squeaking. She's describing herself as the fucking gurney yeah. whose wheels are squeaking, which I don't know. I don't even know how to articulate it. It makes it so much darker to me. And and you just picture this fucking broken, like, shell of a person. And if you think about the role of a gurney, right, it's to, to not house someone who's sick, but, like, to provide for someone who's, you know, unwell, right? Um, and I was wondering if there's any, like, if she's comparing herself here as, um, or like if she's comparing herself here to this thing that is built to take care of people mm-hmm. but who is broken and like cannot perform that function anymore which seems like super gendered to me obviously in all sorts of ways and also in line with the character that we've seen on this album so far yeah <sighs> the squeaking is so effortful too like to I think it just denotes for me like how much energy is put into doing anything mm-hmm. at this point and like our narrator's alone alone here in my home yeah so like even without having like you know the social constructs of being around other people and have to like wake up and say hello and do you know the things that you do when you're around your family it's even effortful to be alone in your house mm-hmm. um it sucks it's interesting that she's alone because like part of the image that to me she was painting at the beginning of this song was like like even the ghosts help raise the barn like even like the people here in this place sort of are a community for me and like a source of solace and help um, in these like really dark and scary times for our narrator. Mm-hmm. But we also get this image here of her like ultimately being by herself. So like even if, you know, that stuff is happening around her in the hometown, uh, like ultimately in her home, not just like her hometown, but her actual like residence like she's by herself and like you said it's it's not easy going and our narrator's intentionally laying low too so they're not seeking out help right they're not laying low just means like what like not going out a lot uh to me it like i didn't actually look it up but to me laying low is just like avoiding 
seeing anyone, like avoiding doing anything. Um, just kind of doing not a lot. Yeah. I feel that too. I just looked it up and I never... So there's there's a couple definitions, but one is to remain hidden or to hide oneself, which mm-hmm. seems probably like I think what's going on, what's going on here. But then there's also um, to bring or strike to earth. So fell hurricane winds are likely to lay low the balloon. So to cause to fall by a blow. Um, interesting yeah I have no theories on that I think it's probably just that she's keeping herself hidden given the context of this one but just thought I'd mention it in case lay low in that violent way is interesting uh, considering ribbon and driven through by her own sword Mm -hmm. like it's like your return to home was not like a gentle approach it was like you just (laughs) barreled (laughs) barreled right in (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah. Um, also, like, I think one of my favorite lines on the whole album is, I laugh when you speak of my pleasure seeking. Yeah. And I wonder, like, how does that play into? I don't really understand. Like, it's an incredible line. Um, and I know a lot of people really love it. I do too. Um, I just don't really understand it in the context of the verse. Mm. Because who are you talking to? <laughs> like, and what what part of any of this is pleasure-seeking? Like, it yeah. doesn't seem like any of this laying low, like, being home is pleasurable in any way. Like, is, is it referencing, like, the escapism of it? The avoidance? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So I think, I think in just my like humble interpretation, I think that's why she's laughing though, is like, she's like, Mm, what about this is fucking pleasurable? Like, and I think it was Alexis last time who sent us a line being like, the partner thinks she's on vacation and she's like, bitch, no, like I'm not, this is not like a happy vacation. Like I am trying to survive and, and for you to tell me or to like, yes, speak of my pleasure seeking at all is like so misguided and like so indicative of your fundamental misunderstanding of like who I am as a person and like where my mental state is currently at and like yeah. what you've done to me, what this has all done to me. Um, And to me, it also just the visual is like our narrator having these conversations with herself you know, squeak. it's just sad, like yeah. squeaking around the empty house, like a gurney, like it's winter, everything's gray and it's cold. And you're just like having these conversations with yourself or like with like these arguments with yeah. this partner that you're no longer with. Or like imagining maybe. Yeah. 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 It's a sad, it's a sad scene. The other thing I was thinking of about pleasure seeking is that it could. So the the first interpretation is like, I'm not actually pleasure seeking, right? Like I'm 
trying to take care of myself and like live. Um, another interpretation I was thinking of is like similar vibes, but like, like maybe she is like, uh, I don't know, like engaging in like sort of like addictive kind of behaviors or like self-soothing kind of behaviors that like might look like she's like, I don't know, doing things for pleasure in this like very like flapper kind of way. But like actually what she's doing is like self-medicating, like trying to get through it. And so I don't know how plausible that one is, but like this like addiction-y behavior. <sighs> yeah, I think that makes sense with a lot of the greater themes of the album too. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get an email submission from Void, uh, and they, one of the things they wrote was, uh, about this line. One of my favorite lines in Have One On Me, uh, that being the line from Autumn, and I laugh when you speak of my pleasure seeking, a line which just perfectly summarizes that point in the relationship, uh, as a whole. Um, and they referenced their own genius annotation here. Uh, <laughs> at various points throughout the album, Joanna has insinuated that her lover was cheating on her or at least being selfish for his own pleasure, even insinuating that this was the only reason for being in a relationship with her. In contrast, she has decided uh, she has dedicated herself to him and has it has ruined her. She makes it clear that there once was no pleasure in the relationship. The accusation of pleasure seeking is hilarious to her as she is well aware pleasure-seeking is what he was doing, and that as a result, she hasn't experienced any pleasure. Mm. Um, this line falls into a much larger theme within Newsom's discography, which is that of sacrifice, and sacrifice as either a feminine virtue or something women are expected to do, especially something they must do for the sake of men. Here she has sacrificed her own pleasure in the name of love and has gotten nothing out of it. Um, yeah, and it's just, I think, very much... Uh, this verse at least is kind of ruminating in that. Um, and that like none of, <laughs> none of this has been pleasurable. Um, yeah. Yeah. My escape here hasn't been this, this relationship hasn't ended in a pleasurable way. It hasn't been like a good time working through any of this. Right. I also love the insight that they made where they said like, like they identified like another potential reason why she might be laughing, which is that like me pleasure seeking, yeah. like Lump. you, that's like the story of our entire fucking relationship is you pleasure seeking. So like, don't yeah. tell me about how I'm pleasure seeking now. Like fuck right off. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about just like uh, the anger of that line that I think it's like one of the angriest lines on the whole album. And I like it. <laughs> I like angry narrator. And it continues too, right? Like, I don't know if, like, I have uh, official Joanna Newsom lyrics in my document here, and it continues. I laugh when you speak of my pleasure seeking among the tall pines mm. along the ley lines, um, which I'm assuming is referencing that, like, the pleasure seeking that they're accusing us of is happening here at home. Yeah. Um, I feel like we talked about ley lines last time, did we? I don't think so. I think we were... No? Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. 
feel like I talked about it to someone recently, but who would that be besides you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, ley lines. A ley line is a visually apparent route or path. Do you say route or route? R-U-T. I think I go back and forth. Okay. Connecting apparent various route. landforms and places of ancient religions or spiritual significance. Um, the term was coined in the later dates of the spiritualist movement. Blah, blah, blah. Connecting path. Uh, modern times, ley lines are largely considered pseudoscience, the windows soon endeared by followers of New Age beliefs. Um, so to me, the ley line, I feel like maybe someone mentioned it on the Facebook group. Let me just switch there quickly. To me, this made me, the mentioning of ley lines made me think of just like uh, in Emily, how we talked forever about the distinction between like nature and nurture, how Emily was a scientist and like super into um, uh, writing everything down and having the facts and our narrator was much more flippant and like uh, um, based in imagination. Yeah. So it says on the Wikipedia, uh, ley lines were attributed with sacred significance or mystical power. Um, they came to be conceived as lines of power, the paths of some form of spiritual force or energy accessible to our ancient ancestors, but now lost to narrow-minded 20th century scientific thought. Um, yeah. So, so was it just like a vibe? Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I feel that these things are connected. <laughs> I think so, maybe like a, yeah, like a vibe where, or like an, a place where you could be like especially connected to your ancestors, maybe is the thought. I'm not totally sure. Uh, but like in the context of this song, it could just be like, look, this like particular connection I have to my roots, like um, uh, to my ancestors because of where I am, like at home, which is where I'm from and where my family's from. And, uh, also it could be just referencing I saw on the Wikipedia it said that there was like magnetism allegedly involved with uh, ley lines like not actually but like the belief about ley lines is that there's some sort of magnetic energy force and that could be an allusion to how our narrator feels like magnetically drawn to to this home place even though we've discussed that there are some problems with it like she's not totally happy here mm-hmm. I don't know. The interesting thing too, the the lay from Wikipedia is L E Y, and in the yeah. lyrics I have here, it's L Y L A Y. Like, does that reference that we're laying low? Right. To? I noticed I that and didn't know what to think about it. I don't know. I wonder if we could also say something like, uh, maybe the implication of pleasure seeking here is like. Uh, so I'm assuming the you, I laugh when you speak of my pleasure seeking, assuming it's the partner. Um, what am I trying to say? It's funny that you're laughing at like my need to escape from you and from everyone and walk, you know, in these beautiful spaces, like it's funny you say that because, like, again, what Boyd said, all you've done is 
<laughs> sought your own pleasure yeah. for however long. Like, how dare you try and take this small piece mm-hmm. of good that I have in these endless gray days and try and make it something, anything other than, like, you know, a tiny slice of okay. Um, right. Like, it's super abusive if you think of the speaking that he's doing about her pleasure seeking as being something that she's supposed to feel ashamed of. Yeah. He's, like, trying to get her to feel ashamed of it. Because, like, yeah, exactly like you said. Like, it's, like, the most gaslighty thing in the world. Like, think of fucking Bluebeard and his pleasure seeking where he just, like, murders women. Yeah. Like, (laughs) for the sake of his own pleasure. And she's like, all I did was come home. Like, all I fucking did was, like escape this fucking like endless horrible cyclical awful cycle I've had with you all I did was like escape that and like now you're being like you're accusing me of being selfish or of being pleasure seeking like no and it's also a conversation she's having with herself yeah so I I there must be some element of feeling guilty for for being there or like uh, yeah I don't know feeling feeling like it's a selfish act to be there or feeling guilty for leaving and coming here or something because it's yeah. like the conversations you have with yourself to make to like justify this choice that you've made to come back home yeah um yeah I don't know I mean, he could have actually accused her of pleasure seeking. Yeah. And she's like a past conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Like replaying it. I don't know. But I think you're right. I think there is, like, she doesn't, it's like a nice, she does a good job here at making us get that she's feeling guilty, I think, or like she's mm-hmm. like conveying that she's feeling guilty without saying anything like that. Or like, I feels mean, the maybe need- she- feels the need to justify her choice to come back in some way yeah Yeah. i was gonna say maybe it's not feeling guilty because she's laughing at the idea that she should be feeling guilty but like there is that suggestion there nonetheless i think that's all i have for that little stretch me too Okay, so that does it for part three of Autumn. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with a short part four on Autumn before moving on to Ribbon Bows. Uh, We have a Patreon you guys should check out, so I will link to that in the show notes. There you can find early episode releases and some bonus episodes. I believe we're up to, I want to say nine, maybe ten now on Patreon. So yeah, go check that out. We have an email, hopelessendeavor at gmail.com. Uh, send us your thoughts or your theories or your emotions (laughs) to that email we'd love to hear from you um sam does a wonderful job running our instagram at a hopeless endeavor podcast there's a facebook group you can check out as well and yeah that's it for now so we'll see you guys next week for part four the final part of autumn oh yes and if you want to stick around after the um wonderful beat by by david um i'm including like a mind-numbingly frustrating blooper bit at the end of this episode because just to demonstrate for you guys how patient Sam is with me and my giggle fest that I just like could not put a stop to when trying to record this episode so uh, if you want stay tuned for that but also beware okay bye
warning that we will be talking about death, suicide, mental unwellness, abortion, miscarriage, addiction, violence, and some existentialism in there, too. Just a quick warning that we will be discussing death, suicide. (laughs) These super funny topics. my head where I'm like don't laugh and that's the funniest (laughs) thing for some reason okay stop it oh my god I love that your prep was like (laughs) (laughs) sip of coffee (laughs) oh shit (sighs) okay okay very serious topic Warning that we will be just. <laughs> I like it. You're gonna get hot. Oh my god. You're forced through. <laughs> Maybe if I talk really fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not even funny. Like, what am I laughing at? I don't know. I can't. Do it. Warning that we will be just. <laughs> oh my god! Just take take a few breaths. <laughs> thing or not but I swear I feel like I get the giggles so much worse <laughs> being pregnant like once I start I have such a hard time stopping <laughs> okay <clears throat> I'm just gonna hide your face so that I don't oh. laugh. <laughs> sure <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, okay 
<clears throat> Just a quick warning that we will be discussing. trigger warning yeah that's perfect you do <laughs> you do it then i can't i can't oh. <coughs> okay <laughs> okay <sighs> just a quick warning that we will be discussing death Abortion, miscarriage, existentialism. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You were doing perfect. I'm going to mute myself. Go, just go. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're just losing it. Mental unwellness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> 